A long time in the future in the Milky Way galaxy, it's the Vercozicast. Each month, join Nancy and Robin as they read through the Vercozican saga by Lois McMaster Bujold. From Borear to Jackson's Hole, from Cordelia to Miles, it's time to jump through a wormhole and explore the galactic nexus. Welcome to episode two of the Vercozicast. I'm your host, Nancy. And I'm your host, Robin. Today, we're going to discuss Berear. Berear. It depends on who you are. <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did. Look, I'm a poet. <laughs> and you didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were telling me earlier today via text, which is not a good way to have a conversation about pronunciations. That, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> that uh, you listened to the audiobook, so you got some pronunciations. I did. I listened to uh, not this one. What did I listen to? <laughs> I listened to what's after The Warrior's Apprentice. The Vore Game. That's the one I listened to. And, um, and we've got a lot of things right. Though this narrator may be unreliable because he says kilometer instead oh, of kilometer. No. <laughs> I know. I was like, what? Every time he said it, I just cringed. <laughs> um, but I think this was recorded back in the 90s when Americans didn't even know what a kilometer was. So, yeah. You know, um, it is indeed Vorpatrol. Okay, good. I know that was one of the ones we had discussed. Got that. He says Barriar. Barriar? Barriar. Like the Barry. name Barry and then R. stuck an A-R on the end. Barriar. So I do not yeah. like that. <laughs> I do well, not like that. Um, I'm going to continue singing Barriar. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, Although it's probably wrong. That's you know what I'm not sure that because un unless Barry is B A R R Y, this is Beret B A R R A Y. I'm yes I'm I'm not arguing with the with with that I don't know if he like talked to them about spelling or yeah. pronunciations or if it was just a free for all yeah I um <clears throat> so. I think because he is clearly unreliable with his kilometers, <laughs> um, we say what we want. Yes. I mean, I've been saying it for two years. It's, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me right. to change. And, and everything else is pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. It's spelled the way it sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do love that, like, the more we go on... And this is way far ahead, but there's a lot of language stuff in there that's really amusing to me. Uh -huh. um, French and Greek and, like, all kinds of cool stuff as right. we move further through. Yeah. I, I'm very glad that Verkozigan is pretty straightforward. Although, as yes. I was thinking that, I was thinking, well, what if they say Verkozigan? <laughs> and then I'll just need to oh, Lord, no. throw myself off somewhere <laughs> nancy's done I'm like we're just no. done no it's he definitely says Vorkos again okay yeah i mean that's pretty and like uh uh Katerin's last name is Vorswassen, which i think is pretty self-explanatory v-o-r-s yes o-i-s-s-o-i-n for or so she so she's like french russian yeah so like vor, Soissons. Soissons. yeah, S O I 
S S O N. Yeah. Soisson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. Mm hmm. Well, she's just all she the 18th century Russians would have loved her. Right. <laughs> she would have been great in the court of Catherine the Great. <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, I, man. yeah, I nerdy um, history jokes in with nerdy sci-fi jokes. I don't know. Right? <clears throat> I just don't know how people Welcome can to the stand show, me guys. to be perfectly honest. <laughs> That's why I wanted you to host the show with me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like as as you go through the series, like you know, obviously, especially this book, we're going to talk about it how like it's very influenced by Russian culture, Berear is or barrier barrier <laughs> um but like the there's you know the vorkosigans so and then there's vorpatrol and mm-hmm. then but then like you have to like take the vor off people's names and try to figure out where they come from yep. and then you're like there's a it's not just like very simple like uh, no, you know, uh, Russian because like Ivan is a very Russian name, and his middle name is Zav, which right. is a which, sh- also. which just I know it's not, but it reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with <laughs> Zafod Beeblebrox. Like that's all I can think yeah. of. But like, and then I'm trying to think like Patrol. Like, it where sounds does- Indian to me. Yeah. Well, and then his father's name is Padma, which right. is exactly. So that's why I was like, oh, they must be. Indian, wait, but they're I'm not confused. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting. I would love to see like a sort of like gen like a genetic history of of Berear and like the, right. the original colonists and where did these like, people where come did from they come and from? How did this melting pot? Yeah, because like you become... see, because you see a lot of similar names like throughout the series, like Veruder, the Veruders or Vutries. Mm-hmm pop up i think they're french yeah they they're they're there for a long time there's like okay the verdarian the verdarian um you know uh, yeah warcraft right, like the is the name be... of the ship mm-hmm. for I, well i love that because it's like a play on warcraft and yes i was like oh that's so yes. smart yes that's so smart and then there's the the verbaras of course mm-hmm. so yeah Anyway, today we're discussing Briar. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you all for listening to episode one and for, you know, feedback on the show. And uh, we are super excited to talk about Briar today because this is... I think this is my favorite so far. E- well, yeah, you haven't read a lot, but it should be your favorite. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to tell you of all the Truth. books you've read. It Truth. should be your favorite. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I'm five books in now. Yep. Which is not like, you know, it's not nothing, but I definitely am not anywhere close to finishing what the 14. Yeah. How far are yeah. you in the war game? I finished. Oh, you finished? Okay. What'd you yeah. like? Did you like it? I really enjoyed it. Did you like Gregor? Um, I kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of did. I mean, you know me well. <laughs> yeah. Nancy was like, Listeners, mm. I've, I've been telling Robin that she's going to love Gregor. <laughs> yeah. And because he's sort of broody and yes. intelligent. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my style. Yep. And you find out like why when you read Berear and you're like, oh, because his oh, life kind of sucks. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when yep. you first meet him, he's this cute little kid playing with a robot dinosaur 
He's so cute, and he loses his little shoe. Ugh. I just, oh. I know. Oh, okay. um, so, but okay, the funny so you, thing to me, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say so. You finish. So you have Senegana to read, and then yes. you hit the run of books that I think is where it really, really, really gets good. gets going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have found that I spend an awful lot of time in the car, <laughs> and like uh, probably a ridiculous amount. And I finished the war game in like three days in the car. Oh wow! It was. I, I was listening. Well, I was also listening to it over Valentine's Day, and I do floral design, and oh. so <laughs> yes. I had a lot of time to myself, just working in the studio. Mm-hmm. So the combination of the car and the studio, and just having it on while I was down there, um, yeah, I finished in about three days. So obviously, this is a good format for me to yeah. make sure that like I can finish things in a timely manner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be all that wasted time. It's going to be fun when you get to a civil campaign. I hope you read that in <laughs> audiobook excited. so you can like just squeal <laughs> <laughs> just in the car by myself be like yes. <laughs> yes. yep. Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about Barear. Um, let's do it. So, Barear was first published in four installments in Analog magazine. Uh, in July through October 1991, and then uh, as a full novel by Bain in October 91. And I don't know if I mentioned it before when we were talking about the series, but the whole series is published by Bain Books. Um, it is actually the seventh full-length novel, if you go by publication order, but the third in internal chronological order. Um, Which I don't understand, but... right. Right. Fine. Like, I don't know how you get through to the next set of books without this one. Right. I don't, I just don't get it. Yes. So, yeah. I'm impressed. We can, we can with talk her about talent. that. We can talk about that a little bit now, but especially after we've, after we finish Warrior's Apprentice. Right. Because, so, like, there is a lot of stuff in Warrior's Apprentice that goes with Shards of Honor, specifically all the <clears throat> stuff with Bathari. Um, mm-hmm. because like that stuff like is directly um like it's directly the effect of the events of all of this book. Yeah, that happens in Shards of Honor where he, you know, is has raped the prisoner and has a the child. Um right. and that, that child is Elena, who is a character in the series. But um so so that part is like directly related to those events but like th- you don't get where miles comes from which right without all of this background like i'm just baffled yeah because they seem like they would go together in chronological order yeah Not, i mean, I mean um, this book literally takes place the day after shards of honor ends like yep. literally it's the next day <laughs> So she's filling in all these holes that which is kind of impressive, to be honest, like now that I've read both of them and I, right? I understand like the publication order. Right. And it's not like I, I'm really impressed that she can go back and fill in all of this mm-hmm. stuff and have it make perfect sense. Like it fits seamlessly together. Yeah, because she like and she references like things that happen in the series like no i i don't remember like a lot of very specific references um in books that were written before this but it's definitely like like 
like she knew that this war of Verdarian's pretendership happened you know and i i know she mentions cordelia's shopping trip like miles mentions it at some points right in in like which sounds like it's a reference to this but this is a reference to that yeah rather than the other way around it's just mind-boggling yeah so like she wrote like the for the books that we're going to read so she read shards of honor then she wrote Brothers in Arms, uh, then the Mountains of Mourning, then Labyrinth, and then the Borders of Infinity. So all three of those go into a a full novel called Borders of Infinity. So mm-hmm. it's basically like so Shards of Honor, then Brothers in Arms, then Borders of Infinity, then the Vor game, then Berear. So like basically anything <clears throat> that hap- anything like mentioned in uh, brothers in Arms, Warriors Apprentice, or Brothers in Arms, or War Game, like she hadn't written Berea yet, <laughs> and that right, they which all, is crazy. Those all happen afterwards. So yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know how she did it, but um, I I mean, th- and that's that's one of the reasons I recommend that people read it in internal chronological order because I think I think Berea is such a formative book for the series and i don't know if i i don't know if i would have kept reading if i hadn't read briar next just because i love it so much you know i do love this book and it's wholeheartedly yeah especially when you read it in the omnibus version cordelia's Mm -hmm. honor because then it's like this book and shards of honor just are you know smashed together and it's very much cordelia's story and errol's story and then jumping ahead to miles like there's a very fine end at the end of the story you know there's a what i'm sorry a very fine end at the end of the story so then you jump to miles and you're like okay yeah i i'm invested in miles because of this book like i don't know if i could have been invested in miles if i had not read this book right because you don't understand anything about him yeah and you don't care like uh, so like reading the like Seeing, like, the first chapter of, um, you know, uh, The Warrior's Apprentice, like, is Miles and his grandfather. So, like... Right. And, like, a theme of the book is, like, him trying to, like, prove himself. Um, and... I think that's the theme of his life, yeah, basically. It, it, it is very much the theme of his life. But, like, you read those scenes and, like, and especially even the epilogue for this book, like, you know... I, I don't think it has the same effect if you don't know what happened with with Cordelia's pregnancy and Piotr, like, trying to kill Be Miles. douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's that's a big thing, so, yeah. It's a big problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess what we're trying to tell you is you should read this book. Yeah, in the internal chronological order. I mean, yes. The, I I I usually do not support that. Like usually, like you, I will say, read them in publication order because, like, especially like the fir- the early Star Wars books, mm-hmm. because like it it kind of tells a story. It's weird after a while. Yeah, and it tells a story. <laughs> like if you read if you read them in the way they came out and like. 
but then but for this i'm just like no i think it's no. better and she even has in the back of the book yes the, you know the the reading order that she would she suggests yes um and that's the order we're reading them in yep. so i feel like if the author is suggesting that you do this you do it she she would be the 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 best authority appeal to authority <laughs> of lois mcmaster bruchelt exactly yep. yep so like we said we we both love this book yep um, mostly just because i love cordelia and errol so much i like, do i love them so much but i want to be cordelia when i grow up but it's also a very good story Oh, no, it's a great story. Um, and but, Go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I was going to say, when I first read it, like, I, I loved it. But mm-hmm. I found myself thinking, like, halfway through the book, why is this written from Cordelia's perspective? You know, because she's not the the focus of the action. You know, you a, a like, a more traditional book would have Errol as the main character or would right. have a switching point of view between Errol and Cordelia. But, you know, as I go on and read, I realize it creates more tension because Cordelia is not privy to what's going on. So, like, you find out Errol and his, like, big, you know, closest allies have know that there's going to be a coup going on and have been preparing for it. So when it happens, like, Cordelia is like, oh, my God, what's going on? But meanwhile, they're right. like, yeah, we've we've pre- pre- no, pre- we pre- got this. And and so you're kind of like it, it's very much like the fish out of water thing that only right. works. And that's what I was going to say, because she Cordelia is a surrogate for the audience. Yes. About learning about Brayar, mm-hmm. because you don't need to learn about it from someone who lives there. Y- and you that's can't. their culture. It, right. You have to learn about it through somebody else's eyes. Which is another reason why I definitely think people need to read this book before they read any of the books with Miles. Because, you know, you don't understand why he's trying to prove himself for Barayan culture when you don't understand Barayan culture. Right. And this whole book is basically setting that up. Yeah. For for the rest of the series, as far as I can tell. It's informing you about why these political machinations are important and why Miles struggles so much within his culture. Yeah. Um, The other thing I was going to say is that once um, Cordelia decides that she's going to go on this raid, then I was like, oh, this is why the book is written from Cordelia's perspective. And it's, it is like, it's so, it's so satisfying because she has spent the, the majority of the book trying to fit into this new culture. Um, you know, basically realizing she's become a briar and, and what does that mean? You know, not knowing what's going on, feeling very out of place and, being told what to do, where to go. Like, basically, she spends, like, how many chapters riding a horse because her husband <laughs> told her to? And, like, yep. just, f- go- like, weeks, like, going on horseback riding and then just walking through the wilderness, the Dendari Mountains. And then, and then finally, finally, she gets to say, no, I am doing this and I am taking charge. 
And it gives her a lot of agency. Yes, um, which is missing from a lot of the book. So I was very glad I was like, and like, that's usually, it's very counterintuitive for writing because usually they say, you know, you want your characters to have agency. You want them to drive your plot. For most of this book, Cordelia is not driving the plot. She's just along for the ride. She is. But then she decides she's had enough and she basically ends the war single-handedly. Right. And it is majestic. <laughs> like, it may be one of my favorite. There's there's a scene that we've already talked about talking about. Um, <laughs> and it may be one of my favorite moments. Yes. Like, From any book. Liter- literature in general. Yes. Like, like th- it's just... I don't it, it's just magnificent there are several that I can like list off the top of my head that I love uh one of them you will know is uh the proposal scene from vision of the future oh my god it's so good <laughs> the, oh. the other one another one is the end of book two of the mage worlds uh series is, uh it's uh, when Becca which, does which, the thing Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yes. Yes. Um, yep. And sh- the other one I can... Re- oh, I just had it. What was? Oh, there's um, a scene in after in the in Empire's End with Sindrir that um, I love. But, like, there's, you know, there's, there's always those few scenes in books that you just can remember as being, like, pinnacle of... Yep. And this... Of storytelling and writing yeah. and, like, it all just comes together in those yeah. moments. And there, yeah. are, there, are, there are several in this series, but I think, I think even, I'm, I'm tempted to say the dinner party from a civil campaign might oh. top this. I haven't gotten there you yet. You haven't gotten there yet. I'm, I'm just teasing it I'm for you. I'm working on it. <laughs> but, but, th- but this one is definitely, like, when I was Up reading there. it, I had people, like, on Twitter saying, like, oh, my God, you're going to get to the shopping trip. And I'm like, what shopping trip? What, what are, are you talking, talking about? about? And I think and I did the same thing there. to you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, you have shopping. To t- Why are we talking about shopping? I was like, Robin, you have to tell me when you get to this chapter. And you're like, okay. Okay. And you got there. <laughs> <laughs> and then I understood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so yeah. shall we start at the beginning? Yeah, <laughs> after 20 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, before we started, I wanted to mention um, every month uh, this there's a hashtag called uh, Star Wars Rep Matters, SW Rep Matters, where they like focus on different areas of representation in Star Wars. Um, and this month they were focusing on like um, disabilities and like mental mm-hmm. illness. And I, of course, had to mention Miles. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, as, you know, saying how, you know, Miles is a disabled character in a very ableist society. And one of my favorite things about the series has been watching him sort of navigate and change Barrera and culture. Um, and so I, you know, would love to see a character like that in Star Wars. So um, that's why I always try to, like, I say, like, I don't think these books have a lot of I wouldn't like put them up on a pillar as like being super diverse because they're very white and I acknowledge very white and I acknowledge that but um yes but they do have characters that are bisexual or hermaphrodites yes and they have disabled characters and yeah yeah and they never gloss over Miles disability and um, no and they do talk I, I was struck by uh 
they talk about a lot of Eurasian characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I'm not saying this makes it like perfect. Right. But it's, you know, it, it's a step forward for sure about yeah, disabled and, characters. And, you know, there and there also aren't a lot of women just because of the nature that Brayer and military is is not, you know, is, is segregated. Yeah, is segregated. Right. But yeah. um, but like it's it's one of those situations where like I say like one of my favorite movies is a Shawshank Redemption, which is like all <laughs> men because it's a men's prison. Yep. <laughs> those are the situations where it's like acceptable, you know? Right. Like I hate when people are like, oh, it's in the Middle Ages. There weren't any uh black people in England. I'm like, A, you're wrong. And B, it's a <laughs> fantasy series and it's not like based on reality. So you can right. like you can do whatever you want if you have dragons. Yep. <laughs> yeah, if you have dragons, you could prob like all other suspension of disbelief should yes. be fine. And also, you're wrong because there were black people in England. But they the were fewer and further between. Yeah, but they were there. Yeah. But the point being is, you know, like I, I will accept the fact that there aren't a, as many women in the Rokosigan series because a lot of it is, you know, set in the military and there aren't women there. But when there are. As the series goes on and Miles is no longer in the military, you get a lot more female characters who Which are makes perfect awesome, sense. Who are awesome. And they're all Yay. great. They're all great. I'm so excited. I, so excited moving yes. forward. I will I will tease you because it's related to this novel. Okay. That um there are uh, one of the POV characters from a civil campaign is named Kareen Kudelka. And she is <gasps> oh. fantastic. There are actually Wait. four Kudelka daughters. <laughs> oh my lord! Yep. Wow the the Kudelkas have their handful. They do. Yeah, hands full. They what? do. I can't speak. You have no idea. <laughs> um. So yeah, like, it, and you know, she she gets a lot better. And um, the um. Captain Vorpatrol's Alliance that came out in 92 or not 20, mm-hmm. 2012. I'm saying 92. What? 2012. That's a big difference. Yeah. 2012. That's like a whole person's worth yeah. of difference. So the um the the female lead in that book is uh is not white. Um I I I don't think they really like they describe her skin color as being like brown, but they don't really like like the the art shows her as being it, she looks sort of biracial but they don't mm-hmm. like specify like what sort of background she would have but she's not white so anyway shall we get into <laughs> let's right do now? this because i love this book this so thing. much okay all right we're just gonna dive right in yeah and it literally starts the day after shards of honor was over literally i had to go back and read the end of shards of honor because i was like wait a minute like i know some i know some time has passed so like it almost feels like the the first chapter of this should have been the last chapter of shards of honor yes but you know i was thinking of that whatever (laughs) but or more likely like I know why Shards of Honor ended where it did, because it ended with Errol, like, accepting the Regency. But, yep. like, um, 
like there's apparently there's like a several weeks that go by at the end of that book because you realize when this book starts cordelia is already pregnant so she was pregnant at the end of shards of honor but it didn't like say so so that's one of the reasons where i could see like she wrote this later to kind of like retcon the fact that she was pregnant you know yep but um so we meet uh so we meet kareen who is the the princess um and four-year-old gregor who is playing with a robot stegosaurus named steggy steggy and oh it's fucking gregor adorable steggy <laughs> i know i for, i like totally missed the first time around that this is a robot dinosaur because <laughs> when you're the when you're the emperor to be you can you, have robot dinosaurs yeah so at this point, he's known as Prince Gregor um, because the old emperor is still alive. So, like, I, I like the um, I, ha- I have a friend uh, named Jay, who some of you might know um, <laughs> from Twitter, and he's very much a like royalty person. So, like, I like to check with him about titles <laughs> for, like, is this accurate? Because it seems yep. weird that, like, it would be, like, Princess Corrine and Prince Gregor. But I guess, you know, that's correct because there's, no, like, you know, Prince there's, Charles. there's not much between. Yeah. There's Prince like, Charles, you know. and Yeah. Yep. So that is correct. So, I know all of my, um, like, royalty titles and the aristocracy from reading a lot of romance novels <laughs> in my formative years. Yeah. Um, so I can like list you out who, <laughs> who is what and who's like the wife counterpart to all of that. How what the list they go in. Yeah, yeah. I've read a lot of Regency romance well, novels. So that brings up a good point that I wanted to bring up before we really got into the book was that. Okay. So this book is considered a space opera. Like the whole series is considered a space opera, but it's it's different from a lot of space operas because it takes place on one planet Borear. it never they never leave the planet um there's no space battles there's no really any sort of like high-tech battles like nope the battles that they have are all very like low-tech except for maybe like a plasma arc or a stunner but everything and out- flying cars but other yeah. than that I mean, well, and, like, they use the ground cars. They have the light flyers, which are, like, sort of plane equivalent. But so, like, none of this is really, like, super high tech except for, like, the uterine replicators (laughs) and the medical (laughs) stuff. Which is super cool. Yeah. But so that's sort of, like, you know, showing how Borear is more, like, is not as advanced as the rest of the galaxy. But um, I... It's even though it's a space opera, a lot of it feels like it could be a historical fiction book. Yep. Like something that took place in like the 17 or 1800s. Yep. Which is probably why, well, it's not the only reason I love it, but that's my jam. <laughs> right. And that obviously is appealing to me. Yes. A civil, um, a civil campaign is very similar. Yes. <laughs> you know, anytime there's a whole chapter about clothing, I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> yes. Um. So, yeah, we meet um, Drushnikovi. Is that how you would say it? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, Drushnikovi? Yep. That's probably a, a long O. Very, yeah. very Russian name. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll call her Drew because that's what she prefers. 
Uh, and it's easier. It is. Um, and it provides a very cute pairing with Koo. <laughs> Koo and Drew. Um, so yeah, she is Corrine's bodyguard. Um, Corrine and Cordelia have a private chat and tea, which is very lovely because Cordelia is like, I don't know what how to have had have tea with a princess with but a princess whatever um and at the end of the chapter uh kareen reassigns drew to cordelia's personal security which is very nice because she's like you know she'll help you like navigate brayar and also i think you will help drew because drew you know would love to be in the military but she can't <laughs> and it's stupid because she's a woman yeah Yep. Um, so yeah, four months have passed since they got married. So that's a long time at the end of Shards of Honor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Who knew? And then this line I just really liked because it's just, it just shows how good of a writer Lois McMaster Bruchold is. Yep. <laughs> Vorkosigan and Negri exchanged curt greetings in the telegraphic style of two men who had been communicating for so long all of the amenities had been compressed into some kind of tight burst code. Isn't that just so good? Oh, I love it. Isn't yep. it so good? It's also really real. Yeah. Because when you've known somebody, I mean, men communicate very differently than women in many cases. <laughs> yes. But I, with my best friend, we don't even have to talk half the time. Right? Yeah. It's just a series of, ooh, oh, oh. Yeah, or like sending emojis back and forth. Like I send my me and my friend, we spend like most of the day sending like gifts back and forth or like memes back and forth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know exactly what they're for and exactly what they mean. Yeah, but I just I love I just love that description. It's so it's so good. It describes Errol and Negri so well. Yep. Um, so we get to chapter two, um, and like the whole first half of the book is basically like Errol's regency. Um, yep. and it's very much like things are okay. Like, you know, very like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes wrong, but it's very small scale. Um, like the stakes are high, but the scale is low. If that makes right. sense. Right. It's not like there's some sort of galactic problem yeah. or-, or a war, which happens. Right. At the second part of the book. <laughs> you, we'll just wait. Yeah. So we learn more about Drew, and we learn that she grew up with all brothers and studied judo, but as a woman, she could not enter military service because it's stupid. Because um, they're stupid. Yeah. Cordelia and Drew go to a weapon shop named Sieglings, and I love that she names it, like, it just adds to the world building, mm -hmm. uh, to purchase a sword stick for Lieutenant Kudelka as a way to make him feel more at ease with his disability. And so again, we are talking Net. about disabled characters, and here we, exactly. we go Exactly. Do we need to back up and remind who this is real quickly? Yeah, so Lieutenant Kudelka is one of Errol's supporters from the General Warcraft mutiny. Um, and he was one of the people who were left, who like were um, when Cordelia's crew came back to like rescue her and they um, ended up like sort of allying with Errol's enemies. Uh, Kudelka was caught up in the firefight and got hit with the nerve disruptor. So he, um, so they kind of like... Obviously are, it didn't kill him. No, it didn't kill him. Um, so like 
he was at the end of the last book at the end of shards of honor he like was in the hospital getting all of his like nerves fixed basically which sounds super duper painful (laughs) yeah really painful um like basically having to get his nerves remapped um and errol when errol accepted the position of regent he said you know I, I need a secretary, so he arranged for Kudelka to get promoted to lieutenant and then be his personal secretary, which so is very, very cool. It's very nice of him. Yeah, because, because he knew in- that he wouldn't be able to serve in the military anymore, really, which is kind of dumb because, like, they need people who aren't line officers, you know, but whatever. Yep. Um, after And de- I have... To to everybody, I apologize. My dog is with me tonight, and <laughs> okay. um, the he is just going nuts. And the only thing that's keeping him relatively quiet is chewing on a water bottle. <laughs> so I'm, I'm surprised sorry. he hasn't torn it apart yet. Oh no! It is literally his favorite thing to do is to just mouth water bottles. Aww, cute. Um, he's well. He's mostly cute. (laughs) Um, Anyway, let's continue. Yeah. So after dinner, Cordelia and Errol discuss Barrera's prejudices against mutants and mutations. And um, I mean, I I don't want to say it makes sense because that makes it seem like I think they're right and they're not. But like... But from like a... Historical perspective, they had like... 50,000 colonists, I think, when they yep. colonized Borear, and then were basically, like, cut off almost immediately after that. Right, so, so there's no... If, you, if you're in a society that's that closed off and you can't... I, I don't think that they're right, obviously, but I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, they were very of, much like, we need to keep the gene pool clean, but right. ironically... When you have that few amount of people, you end up with a lot of like you end up with mutations because you get inbreeding. Yeah, yep. exactly, exactly. Um, so, um, so Count Piotr, we meet, we meet Count Piotr. He arrives for the uh, Council of Counts vote. <laughs> that is very loud. <laughs> I'm I am trying to uh, I, I'm working on it. I'm trying it's to okay. move him away quietly. <laughs> so um Is that better? Yes. Okay. So Count Piotr, we meet we meet Count Piotr, who um he arrives He's Errol's dad. Yes, Errol's dad. And uh we're we're I'm gonna call him Piotr. Robin's gonna yes, call him that's, Peter. No, that's cor- no, that's correct. <laughs> Um, he arrives for the Council of Counts vote to confirm Errol as regent. Um, and Cordelia reminisces about how he's nicer to her now that she's pregnant. Yeah, because she's just for breeding. <laughs> I mean, yes. Oh, actually, I forgot. We did meet him at the end of uh, at, in Shards of Honor. And he was basically like, I didn't think I'd meet you, but I'm glad you're here because he's being really obnoxious. Right. <laughs> um... Errol and Prime Minister Vortala meet with Count Videl Vordarian, who is not pleased about Errol's appointment to Regent. Right. And this is what you call, ladies and gentlemen, foreshadowing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Can we pause for a moment? Yes. Hold on. I hold on. So yeah, we um that's foreshadowing. <laughs> um 
One of my favorite lines from this chapter is when they're shopping at Sieglings and Cordelia says, bring me something a decent soldier can carry, not a pimp's plaything. Play so good. Because <laughs> all I could then think of is like a pimp cane and, yes. you know, gold hats. And oh my God, that made me happy. <laughs> right? Kudalka yep. would be horrified. Yep. Um, so what? how old would you say Kudelka is? Like... I I always thought I guess when I originally th- read the book I thought he was older but then when I read it again I'm like no because he was like an ensign so he would probably only be like 20. I was thinking he's early 20s. Yeah I'm thinking because like there's 20. also the whole thing with he doesn't know how to talk to Koo. I mean <laughs> Drew, Drew. No. And, and Drew doesn't um, know how to talk to him so she's well, yeah. very young too. They're both I think they're both quite young. Yeah which is adorable. Um, so we move on to chapter three where cordelia attends the council of counts vote with captain lord padma zav for patrol who is errol's first cousin um and they are pretty much the only survivals from mad yuri's war of their family um and like their i think their grandmother's were related because mm. Piotr a- was married to one of the I think Piotr was married to Olivia Verbara. Um you he, have a much better grasp of this genealogy than I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I I've read many articles about it. <laughs> and like I think they describe it later on because I was very confused because in the series there is a um the, the the tradition of using lord um it you it is lord your last name like lord vercosian is the heir to the countship so like at this point there's count piotr it, count piotr is the count errol is lord vercosian there's only right. one lord vercosian Miles, and he be- right? Yes, and that is the that's the way it should be. Yeah. There is so, there needs to be a differentiation between the current one and the heir. Yes, and then and you then know Miles is Lord Miles until right. his grandfather dies, and then he becomes Lord Vercosigan. Vercosigan. So his uh, when you, when we finally meet Mark, Mark is Lord Mark. Um, so basically, anyone else in the family would be Lord their first name. But Ivan is always called Lord Ivan. Ivan is a, also a lord, but his family line is not heir to the countship. So I was very confused about why he is lord and why Padma are lords. So I looked it up because I had to know. Mm-hmm. And it's because they are from the imperial line. So basically anyone who comes from the imperial line is automatically a lord is automatically titled yes yeah but if you are not the direct heir to the throne or a countship you don't get additional titles yes so he is not he's not lord um i can't remember if they call him lord verpatrol at all i i know i know they call him lord ivan though so it's 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 I was I was so confused. I'm like, but I don't if you're only lord through the countship, then what is that? But but so so basically they are descended they the um the imperial line, I think they like the princesses, they they were 
that's how they that that's, right. that's how they're so close to inheriting the throne and why for darian and that makes sense if they had inherited it from their mother because if you're a princess right you're not if you marry somebody that's not anybody is beneath you unless you're marrying a king or an emperor yeah but you don't want to take their titles away but you can't make them anything super special because women can't inherit anything and therefore here it is can't here it is from ivan verpatchel's wikipedia page (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> although not an heir to a countship ivan is is dressed as lord verpatrel rather than lord ivan or just verpatrel presumably because of his descent from an imperial daughter though he provides <laughs> uh, yeah okay so yeah there we go that's how yep um uh, yeah. very very similar to the way that the english do it i wish i could find out i wish i could find very quickly where Who's married to who? Okay. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking up Piotr. We should include like a show notes page that just has a genealogy chart. I know. <laughs> right? <laughs> There's got to be that floating around in the I'll, world somewhere. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, Nancy's just going to spend her all her free time now on the uh, Vorkosigan genealogy. No. So yeah, so the vote, so we meet, so we meet Padma, um, and uh, the vote is nearly unanimous, minus five abstentions, and Cordelia's like, well, I thought people weren't happy about it, and Verpatro warns that no one plotting serious treason would mark himself publicly by voting against it. Also foreshadowing. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, and then we have um, a very awkward situation where Cordelia ever overhears two brothers, uh, the Verhalis brothers, Evan and Carl, who are slandering Koo, basically for being a cripple, which is she is Makes- not happy about She's this. not having it. And she should not have it because that is rude. But very indicative. Also, can we talk about the name Carl? Yes. In all of this? Sure. Because everybody's name is like Yvonne <laughs> or like Ivan. And, and <laughs> yeah, like what? Carl and Mark? What? It should at least be a K. Right. That yeah. would have made more sense. But no. To be fair, Mark comes from uh, Cordelia's family. Miles My- Mark was her father's name. So... That's where that comes well, from. That makes much more sense. Yeah. But Carl. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate him already. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, then there is. So basically, she like tells them off and then she like kind of has to like calm herself down. They go down to the, like the floor to congratulate Errol. And then like Count Verhollis comes up. And he's like, oh, yeah, here are my, uh, you know, boys or, you know, and she's like, then, of course, it's, you know, the same guys. She was hurt and talked in front of them. <laughs> so this is not the first time that this or this is not the last time that Cordelia gets or there's a situation in which people should be aware of who is behind them in a gallery. <laughs> I feel like that's basically the the plot of every like 18th well, and 19th century. <laughs> I will say that this. Novel. I will say that it it plays a point in the climax of guess which book, Robin? A civil campaign. <laughs> yes. 
Yay, I got it. <laughs> uh, we're going to get there eventually. <laughs> but yeah, so um, Azar finally dies. He's been holding on for He's a while. He's been dying forever. <laughs> um, and then... So they like call him in and they just like stand there and wait till he dies. And then everyone in the room just like uniformly like turns and pledges fealty to Gregor, like the five year old who's had to just not even five at this point, who's had to just He's watched like his grandfather die. And they and all who's like, still playing with a robot Stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah. He's like, can I just go play with Steggy? So they all like basically turn and like put their their hands between his and they have Cordelia do it too, and she realizes that she's Brayer now, um, and she notes that they didn't uh, have her do this for Azar, and she wondered if that was purposeful or not. But um, she says later Cordelia reflects on Errol's long hours and wanting a brood of little Vorkosigans. No, <laughs> so many little Vorkosigans. She won't reflect yeah. on, I mean, she won't want that later. Yeah. So there are two lines in this chapter that I like that you can read, Robin. It had been a long, strange journey that began with a view of a pair of boots in the mud and ended in these clean child's hands. Oh, that's so cute. And then, then I think about little babies and it's oh, cute. And then Cordelia's reflection on motherhood, which is my favorite. Well... After five space navigational math, how hard could motherhood be? Cordelia, you just jinxed <laughs> yourself because you gave birth to Miles Vergos again, the most hyperactive child in the galaxy. Yep. Also, just, you know, he's so smart and smart mm -hmm. children are difficult. <laughs> yes. Like, literally, the reason he is so smart is because he couldn't walk until he was five. So he yep. basically developed manipulation powers. To get to get people to do what he wanted, like yep. he would order the Kudelka girls around like a drill team when he That's really when funny. he was a child. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Azar is dead, there's basically four people who know the truth about Prince Serg's assassination. Because Azar knew, Errol knew, Cordelia knew, Negri knew, who also. Doesn't make it through this book alive. Um, <laughs> and then I, I was trying to think of the, who the other person was. And I'm thinking it was, I don't know if it was Ilian or Kareen. I don't think it was Ilian. I don't think it was, well, I don't think it was Kareen. Unless, did Cordelia, I don't remember, did Cordelia tell Kareen about they, it? Well, they they were talking about how Azar protected her from Serg. So I saw, I might, I, I think she might have figured it out that it was it may not have been explicitly stated but yes. she may have yeah okay. because i was trying to think of who the other person could have been and the only other person i could have thought of was ilion but her, ilion wasn't there when errol and cordelia had that conversation so i i don't think he's ever like overheard that but i <laughs> don't know if he maybe he knew anyway but anyway basically there's like at the end of the book, there's like maybe two or three people who know what happened. <laughs> right. Um, so chapter four uh, is a chapter I really like. Um, Cordelia wants, you know, they they uh, they basically set up um, sparring matches at Verkozigan House <laughs> in order to like keep <laughs> everyone in fighting shape. 
Yep. And Cordelia insists that Drew participate because, you know, she's her bodyguard, the, you know, Lord Regent's wife's bodyguard. So she needs to be in shape. Um, she wins her first round, but loses in the semifinals to Bathari because everyone because loses to Bathari. Right. Um, Errol spars against the winner of all of them, who was Bathari, uh, and loses. Um, apparently, they used to fight like that on the General Warcraft all the time. <laughs> Which is just a great mental... I, I, I enjoy that. Right? Yeah. Uh, Cordelia and Errol discuss Ku's frosty attitude toward Drew, and if you Which can't figure out... If you can't figure out what it is, you're dumb. <laughs> he likes her. You may be um, um, a clueless 20-year-old. Yeah. As I yeah. said in the show notes, in short, men are idiots. Actually, specifically, Berea and men are idiots. Yeah, they're, they're not so good with this whole dating opposite yeah. sex thing. Uh, important in this chapter, Errol's ground car is attacked, but the shot misses. So this is the first of several attacks on Errol's life. Um, so I wanted to talk about the sparring scene because, mm-hmm. you know, you think, oh, this is just like a, a fun little scene. But as I was rereading it, I was like, this is just so good at giving characterization for all of them without like being blatant about it. Because you have Ku, who is very uncomfortable with his disability um knowing how people think of him on Briar and knowing and not wanting to get close to drew because he's ashamed um and also jealous you know because she is she has all the physicality yeah that he lacks currently yeah and it provides characterization for drew because you realize like she's trying to prove herself um, but she's also, it's also hard for her because, you know, women on Berea don't act the way she does and she wants to get Ku's attention. Um, and then Errol and Bathari have this, you know, sparring match and they basically beat the shit, out, the of shit out of each other. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and I don't know about you, but I was reading that and I'm like, I shouldn't find this so hot but i do <laughs> i don't know i mean that there, there's a reason why um you know wrestling goes back in in it's on greek pottery and everything so yeah, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that i guess um i want to read cordelia's list of rules for speaking on barrier because <laughs> she has them and she like met like like thinks of them all to herself but she doesn't actually say what they are such a tease (laughs) um so the next chapter is one of my favorites it's the emperor's birthday party happy birthday (laughs) um i love the fact that this is the second time they've celebrated the birthday during the year because they had azar's birthday in like spring and now it's gregor's but they don't care because they get an excuse to party and set off fireworks. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love that? And who doesn't want an excuse to party and set off fireworks? I mean, people in my neighborhood do, so. <laughs> um, I also love just the holidays on Borear because it just adds to the world building. Um, 
Like you realize there, it's sort of an atheist society. Um, Azar says he's an atheist, but like I, the, religion is not really a thing there. Um, which, which is also very interesting because you would think that it would be considering like how feudal they become and how old fashioned they become. Mm. But yeah, well, I hadn't thought about that actually. <laughs> it's just it's just interesting because like I, you know you might think like if they become more old fashioned or like they become very like traditional they might glom onto religion more, but they don't don't seem yeah. to. Well, they they may just be because you know the. the Instead of having faith in the supernatural, they have faith in the system. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they so basically they they have three main holidays on Brayer. There's Midsummer, uh, Winter Fair, and then the Emperor's birthday, whenever that is throughout the year. Um and um so this is like basically a big excuse to party for everyone except for poor Gregor, um, because he's five and he's tired. But they make he him just wants to go to bed, and they make him stand around collecting bags of coins. <laughs> Poor kid. Uh, so um, basically, they so in the car, Cordelia is with Piotr, um, and it's very heartbreaking when they go to get in the cars, and Errol goes into a separate car, and Cordelia's like. Why are we going in separate cars? And then she realizes because they were just shot at. <laughs> right. He doesn't want her in the same car. And it's sad. <laughs> um, so Cordelia is like, why do you have a bag of coins? And Piotr explains that like back in the olden days, you know, the 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 accountants would pay the emperor. Um, and then that was basically how their districts got divided up and counts are not a feudal position as they are on earth but are basically short for accountants which is fantastic yeah it's a really good bit of world building yeah so now the tradition is at the emperor's birthday party the counts all give the emperor a bag of coins and gregor is like which i'm sure this five-year-old is just thrilled with right he'd rather have you know another robotic dinosaur maybe a t-rex to go with his stegosaurus I'm, i hope kareen bought him one. <laughs> oh, if he doesn't have a whole like little army of dinosaurs something is wrong <laughs> right samperk yeah um, give that kid some more dinosaurs yes so we have uh, so Koo and Drew attempt to dance, and it's so frustrating and sad, and but also awkward and sad. Yeah. Um, and then we get this conversation between Cordelia and Verdarian, which makes Cordelia, Cordelia goes and orders Ilian to move Verdarian to his short list of assassination attempt suspects, which is yep. just great. But uh, she's a smart lady. Yeah. So this conversation with. Ilya with a uh, Vordarian is really great, um, but also like he's just a he's just a terrible terrible human being. Um, he basically is like comes up to her and he's all like smarmy, and she already Ugh. she she 
pinpoints him as being an ass like immediately um and he like he's like trying to throw her off and like uh like says oh you know how errol's bisexual and she's like yeah well now he's monogamous um because you know they're married and he's, he's not you know seeing anyone else and he's like wait a minute you know that he's bisexual <laughs> she's like and she's like yeah yeah he's oh. my husband what of it yeah uh so like um clearly that's not something that um Berear is okay with no well I, I don't know if it's okay i don't think it, i don't know if it's necessarily if they're not okay with it or if it's not okay with the women knowing about it Oh, that's a good. I hadn't because thought about Ver- that. because Errol and Verucher were romantically involved, and I think people know about that. That I I don't know if that is the issue so much as the women knowing about it. Like, right? Ooh, ooh. We the, must protect the women at yeah. all costs. Yeah. yeah, I think it's more that thing. Like he told you that, um, and then she realizes he basically just came over to try to destroy her marriage. Um, yep, well, that's not that her marriage. Purpose. Yeah, not her marriage, Errol's marriage. Um, so right. that's when she it doesn't gets have anything, He doesn't hate her. doesn't have anything to do with her. No. So yeah, that, that scene is just really good. And I, yep. ugh, I hate him. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and so initially when I read this, her wording struck me as odd and like very not like progressive like when he said you know he's bisexual and she said yes but now he's monogamous like it struck me as like well he didn't stop being bisexual just because he got married um and i was like well you know i guess she wrote this in 1992 you know you have to put it in perspective but then i but as i thought about it more and i've read more of the series i realized like no that is actually the thing Cordelia from Beta Colony would say, because Beta Colony basically describes their sexual preferences based on, like, what you're doing at the time, and, like, not, like, what you're attracted to. So, like... Right. Like, so, like, you have earrings that basically say to the world what you're looking for. So, like, you can be bisexual, but be in a be in a relationship and not be looking for anyone else so like cordelia would look to the earring and say this person is monogamous they're not looking for anyone else so for her right that's what errol is that's the most important thing yeah that he's not looking for anyone else not necessarily that he's bi because i mean on beta colony i'm thinking like everyone probably is bi. i i I really think that that that's what's implied like (laughs) You can have everyone, yeah, or anyone, or nothing, and all of it's fine. Yeah. So, so I just like so that's just something I I I had thought of as I read more of the series, and I was like, oh no, that's actually like very much in character for for Cordelia and Baytons in general. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to note that um, yep. on a representation matter. Also, funnily enough, <laughs> uh, keep that whole now he's monogamous line in mind for later (laughs) because it doesn't always stay that way oh (laughs) yep 
and Cordelia's <laughs> fine with it. So let's as just long say as that. everyone in the relationship is okay with everyone, it, then it's fine. Everyone is fine with it. We're gonna get yeah. there. Yep. Okay. So, um, uh, Cordelia basically like threatens Rodarian, and it's really great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, you should, you should, you should fear him. It's wonderful. Um. So, chapter six. Uh, we go to um go to the country cordelia drew bathari and dr henri <laughs> yes henri <laughs> go to visit baby elena with her foster mother and elena is doing very well um back at verkozig and serlo bathari is not doing very well and cordelia is like hey talk to me he finally breaks down and asks Cordelia if he raped her. He's been wondering... Because he can't remember. And he's been wondering since she arrived six months ago and he recognized her. So he's been that wondering makes me this so sad. for six months. And because of medical treatment, he can't remember Escobar without severe pain. And she basically, like is talking to him and he's like forcing himself to remember and it gives him like a super debilitating headache. Yep. And it's like one of those things where you're just like, your heart is breaking for this man, but who you know is also not necessarily a good person. (laughs) Like, (laughs) but I mean, that's the thing. Like you don't even know if he's a good person because you never get the chance to find out because he's been so messed up. It's so sad. Like he's a really tragic character. He really is a tragic character. And like I I do appreciate that like so much of the series, like so much of these first three books is trying to like give him show him trying to make good and like with Elena, like he's just trying to give her the best life and like he just wants to be a good person and like Cordelia is sort of like the one person he can look to as being like his conscience. You yeah. Know? Um and then there are two lines that I think are very funny about okay. horses. So that's <laughs> yes, and I love their horse culture. Yes. Count Pyotr's horse friends drop in fairly often. Fascinating creatures. Cordelia thought that over a second, then decided Dr. Henri would realize without being told that the fascinating animals applied to the horses and not Count Pyotr's friends. <laughs> that is shady. It's shady. And I love it. I love it too. And then um, the next one is so funny. The next one just makes me laugh. Yeah. Like, the creature was a genetically certified pureblood that Pyotr called a quarter horse. Though it looked like an entire horse to Cordelia. She's so baitin. She's so baitin. She hates oh, horses. And this is important for later. She hates for, horses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, chapter seven. <laughs> this is an interesting chapter. Ku and Bathari are in a fight one night while visiting a whorehouse in the Caravanseri, which is the basically the ghetto. Yep. Uh, Ku finally gets out of the hospital. Cordelia catches him basically attempting to kill himself like he puts the sword stick up to his throat and this is what toxic masculinity provides us yes um she while comforting him errol walks in and accuses her of engaging in quote-unquote bait and therapy which Uh. is 
such an insult. Such an insult. Like, like he's basically saying you're you're gonna sleep with him to make him feel better. Like it's oh, uh, it's so bad. Yep. Uh, she follows him up the stairs, and they have their first real fight. And it's hilarious because she's like, everyone in the house is gonna know we're fighting, but she doesn't care. Um, Errol admits there's a potential for war with the set of Gandons because of the transfer of power. And also that he's had to lay down a public execution order for Carl Vorhalas on a dueling charge. Well, that's fine, because Carl's a... <laughs> we know how I feel about Carl. This is that conversation we were talking about last episode, about talking about honor and, like, how Errol had to make this decision, this horrible decision, and no matter what it was, it wasn't going to be good, and then Cordelia was like trying to encourage him to do the right thing and then she was like oh i didn't mean that <laughs> but it's, that, that wasn't quite what i had in mind but it's like it's so hard because errol's right like he has to order the execution because like the whole thing is like duels were like pr prominent on brayar and now, like, they've been outlawed, and if he doesn't, like, lay down a, pu a punishment... It's, like, his first real thing as regent. Right. And he has to be seen to be... Follow, and, like, he has to be seen to be a strong leader. And he and he's saying, well, you know, Azar is ruling from beyond the grave, because, you yep. know, this is what he would do. Um, and he's also saying how, like, how ironic it is that he is the person to be judging on this this like a dueling case because it as you, if you've forgotten <laughs> he killed his his former wife his dead wife's lover yeah two lovers yeah. that's <laughs> two right two of them lovers of yeah. plural yeah so uh and like the the only reason he wasn't implicated was cuz everyone assumed the two of them killed each other so he like says to Cordelia like me i have to do this like how sick as that yeah um it's just a, such a sad like chapter and like th their fight just infuriates me and then like the whole conversation afterward is just like it's very adult like having to talk about their feelings feelings and yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> so um here's another one that i love <laughs> when they're talking about the visit to the whorehouse yeah <laughs> cordelia you can't you really can't sit at the breakfast table and imply my ancestors were bastards. It's a mortal insult here. And then Cordelia thinks, where should I sit? <laughs> She's basically saying how, like, you know, considering, like, the, the, um, the history of the planet, like, it has to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. So Errol attends Carl Vorhalis's public execution. Um, and then the, the big thing happens. Um, they're in bed and Evan, Evan, the brother, shoots a soul toxin grenade into the bedroom. In retaliation for his brother's execution. Yes. Um, yep. Because he, um, like, he basically uh, says, you know, like, he, th they thought Errol was there to, like, basically reverse their, like, give him a pardon, and like Errol realizes that, and he's like, oh god, like, idiots, um, yeah. and 
so they they get the antidote, but it's it's teratogenic and will eventually cause the fetus to die. Cordelia orders Dr. Vagan to find a surgeon that can do a placental transfer and to engage in his uh, experimental calcium treatments in an attempt to save the fetus. Um, the whole confrontation with Evan is fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if Errol is ever as angry in the series as he is here. Um, and it's, again, like, sort of intimidating and also intriguing at the same time. <laughs> tell me more <laughs> but it's so it's so like it's just so sad and like so i read this chat i read this book maybe a month or two after i had a miscarriage oh uh, yeah i didn't know that it didn't bother me then though like interesting i read when i reread it this you know a few like last month it really bothered me. And I thought that was very weird because like you'd think I would be more raw back then. But well, I realized why is because okay. so like back then that was my like so TMI everyone is my f- like first real attempt to get pregnant on this medicine I was taking. So I figured like, well, you know, this is the first time it's a miscarriage that happens a lot you know and right. you know we'll get it next time well it i n- never got pregnant again so cordelia has this happen and basically realizes like this is the only time cordelia will ever be pregnant um, right because even if she decided to have another kid she's not going to have be be pregnant she's going to have it with a uterine replicator in a replicator so like it yep. kind of hit me like this is the only time, this is the end of Cordelia's only pregnancy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh, it just hit, it hit. Um, so my, and the thing I found myself wondering a lot in this chapter is, would Cordelia have attempted to save the baby if she and Errol were younger? Because like Errol's 44, she's 34. I mean, that's not like super old, Ancient, but it's not but- young either, especially on Boreyar where they don't have a lot of good technology. Um, also, if Errol wasn't regent and didn't fear for his life all the time, and if that sort of technology didn't exist, like, at all, like, it's very much like, because, like, you can read this as saying, like, she wants, she wants, like, Miles to live no matter what, like, very pro-life, but there's also this technology that could save the baby, (laughs) you know? Right. And she... and she says to Errol, you know, how, how, what if the next one hits? Like, what if the next one takes you out? You know, then, then we won't have any kids, you know? So you, you, yeah. she basically saying we can't just wait for the next one. Yeah. So, yes, um, Piotr visits Cordelia and encourages her to, her to abort the fetus because, of course, he does. Yep. Um, the, op- the placental transfer is successful, but Cordelia suffers a hemorrhage and basically passes out for a while. Um, Piotr tries to convince the doctors to abort Miles, and Errol gives an imperial order to revoke his father's security clearance where the uterine replicator is being stored. Cordelia suggests they go to Verkozig and Serlo to recover. Errol suggests they bring Piotr. Um, and Cordelia's like, really? Him? And then she pauses uh, and she's like, oh, right. Oh, he'll wait. be away from the replicator. 
so he can't try to murder my baby. Yes. Um, we go to Varkos against Sulo. Uh, this is sort of like the calm before the storm. Um, even though, I mean, the whole attack is very much dramatic, but this mm-hmm. is sort of like a, a down chapter where we get a lot of Koo and Drew stuff. <laughs> It's good stuff, too. Um, Drew admits that she and Koo were messing around the night of the Sultoxin attack, and she's worried that she's pregnant. So Cordelia gives her a pregnancy test. She's not pregnant. Also, um, uh, Batons don't have periods until they're needed. I want this technology. Why do we oh not have God, this? Oh, my God. It would be so good. You basically... Bo agrees. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you get your implant... And you don't have a period while you have an implant. And then you get it taken out. When to... you've got your license, to, your rights to have a kid and everything. Yeah. And Cordelia got pregnant in the first try, so she didn't even have a period. Cause, so Drew's like, well, how do you know if you're pregnant? She's like, usually you miss a period. And she's got a bunch of the tests, so she's like, here, you have one. Here, just take it. It's fine. Yeah. Koo uh, comes in with Errol, and um, Errol's like... <laughs> I think you want to hear this, Cordelia. (laughs) (laughs) And he apologizes to Drew for having raped her. She is like, what the? She. What? No. She storms off. Cordelia and Errol encourage Koo to apologize. And he's just like, I don't understand what what is happening. And Cordelia is like. You didn't she's rape scared. her, you idiot. And she, like, why isn't she talking to me? Because she's scared, you dummy. Why aren't you talking to her? Yep. <laughs> um, then we get Count Piotr um, trying, tries to go to Imp Mill, which is the hospital, but is denied access. Woohoo! He comes back and threatens to disinherit, quote unquote, that thing in the can at Imp Mill. Yeah. <sighs> uh, he Errol points out he can only disinherit Errol, not the baby. And Piotr's like, well, I'm denying him his name. He can't have my name. Um, so that's when Cordelia says to name him Miles Naismith for Kozigan. My father, my father will not begrudge it. <laughs> yes. Um, Piotr kicks him out of the out of his residence residences, and Errol says they'll go live at the Imperial residence. Um, Ilion wa- or Negri wanted them to go there anyway because it would be safer. Um, and this argument is broken up by Captain Negri arriving in a light flyer, crashing with Gregor. And this is the beginning of the war for for Darian's pretendership. Bum bum bum. Da da. <laughs> uh, so chapter eleven through thirteen is basically horses. <laughs> <laughs> horses. Yeah, that's you know truly we could sum that up in about three minutes. Horses and walking through the woods um, and mountains. Yeah. So Errol sends Cordelia off with, or so basically Negri took Gregor from this coup that was happening, um, and we we find out later specifically what Cordelia asks Gregor what happened, um, and basically says like you know there was fighting going on, um, his mother grabbed his shoe that's why he only has one shoe, um, 
and Negri took him off in the light flyer because Negri knew they needed to keep Gregor safe. Like that is that is the main goal of the rest of this, you know, last of the these two chapters. Protect yep. Gregor. Because as long as Gregor's alive, they'll be you know, whoever Vernarian won't be able to get like a legitimate leadership. claim to yeah. the throne. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, Errol sends Gregor off with Piotr, Cordelia, Bathari, and another of his armsmen, Esther Hazy. And you realize that Errol has been planning for this. And not only has Errol been planning for this, but Piotr has been planning for this. Um, and I really love this because I was texting you while I was reading this book and like going, <laughs> like basically how I hate Piotr and like F Piotr. Um, but I really appreciate how she portrays him as a person. Um, because like there are parts in this book where I really like him, like, and like he's sort of genial, like, you know, and like, yep, he's like, and he's really dedicated to, yes, the emperor and the cause. And like, he's, he's noble in many aspects. He just can't wrap his brain around Miles. the new. Right. Yeah. That that this might not be a terrible thing. And he's like, he is very traditional and like the more traditional counts and everything think they should have his support, but he's also more progressive than them. Right. Um, and like, it's, it's really well, you know, well written. <laughs> I It sounds like so stupid saying that. Like, I wish I had a better way to describe it. But, like, they have been having an argument in which Errol is wanting, to, or Piotr is wanting to disown Errol, you know, kicking him out of his houses, um, saying, like, arguing that they should abort their son. Right. And then Errol trusts him with Cordelia and the Emperor. So, right. Like there and is, he does his job. Yeah, like he, there is, there is no doubt at all. They, they're in this middle of this argument that it's going to tear their family apart, and he still goes, "You do this. I know mm-hmm. you will do this. You, I trust you to do this." And it's just, I really, I really appreciate that. I, I yep. think it's a really good story storytelling. Um, so they basically take off on Piotr's horses. Right off, several chapters. Right off through the mountains uh, with a mailman, Major Cly. <laughs> Major Cly the mailman. I love yep. him. Um, so they, you know, they, they basically go, like, hide out at all these different houses. Um, Esther Heisey ends up, ends up taking Gregor away. Um, and, like, you don't see him, like, for the rest of the book, pretty much. Like, they're, he's going to live as, like, this guy's kid somewhere yep. in the middle of nowhere. In the mountains, in a cabin somewhere. Um, <laughs> she doesn't know how to ride horses. Oh, this so is so good. Piotr says this to her. <laughs> <laughs> Useless bait and frill. Don't tell me you've never ridden astride. Just pretend it's my son. <laughs> so good it's so bad and that like it makes you realize they they, they're in the middle of this huge argument um thankfully a lot of the time like she's not with piotr like piotr kind of goes off to like talk to his friend you know his horse friends yeah (laughs) um (laughs) 
Cordelia is very worried about the Verpatrals, um, because Padma is at the top of Ordarian's list as one of the, like, Imperial heirs. And um, spoiler, rightfully so, to yeah. be worried. And she's also pregnant. Um, yep. Let's talk about that. This is basically right after Cordelia has a major, major abdominal surgery. Like, basically and a cesarean a section. Yes. problem. They've had a sultoxin attack. She's had a placental transfer, which is basically like having a miscarriage. And for a miscarriage, you really can't do activities for like two weeks. Yep. But um, now she's riding horses around she's and riding horses hanging out in caves for and- days. Yep. And thank you, Lois McMaster Bergeron, for actually addressing that and having her be in pain. <laughs> yep. I uh, mean, if you're not used to riding horses, you're in pain anyway. R- after right? you've ridden for a full day because yeah mean, you're i you're had, inner thighs not so happy oh yeah i had a simple laparoscopic surgery and i was in pain for several days afterwards i wouldn't have been able to ride a horse i don't know if i'd be able to ride a horse two weeks afterwards for that so yeah. but she does not so i mean i haven't had that but i have well i'm not going to continue that story <laughs> we don't no one needs to know that story okay so um, they, I, I love, they basically, there's a series of caves and they like go down into it and then they, but they basically trick Verdarian's men into going into the caves and like they get stuck in the caves and then like her and Bathari and, uh, and Gregor are like riding off like and he, they're like stop and they can hear down into the cave because of a vent and like they're all like we've been here before blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's so great <laughs> um so mo- moving on to chapter 13 they basically that's when Gregor separates off with Esther Hazy Cordelia and Bathari are smuggled to Tannery Base um, Drew and Ku and Drew rescue them and they're reunited with Errol. Um, Ta-da! So yeah, they, so Errol, like, in, like, this has gone on for like, this goes on for like two weeks. Two weeks. Weeks of riding around on Cordelia has caves. no idea what is going on. She has no idea what Errol has been doing. She has no idea what his plans are, what his plans are with Gregor. She just has to go along with everything for two weeks. She doesn't even know if he's alive. Yep. Um, so she goes to the, um, she goes, gets Tannery base. She gets checked out by the doctor (laughs) and his last, the last line he says to her, like medical advice that every single woman would roll their eyes at. Have you considered starting an exercise program, Lady Vorkos again? (laughs) Oh my God. No, no shit. I'm sorry, but yeah. Yeah. So Cordelia and Errol, chapter 14, finally get to have dinner together. He talks to her about, like, what's been going on and how they knew this was going to happen, but he didn't want to say anything because of the sultoxin attack and then her hemorrhaging and blah, blah, blah. He didn't want to worry her. Blah, blah, blah. But I mean, also, like, he probably didn't want to tell her anything because they have fast penta, which is the the truth drug, basically. Yep. Um, And then they have a night together and she's like... So that's why you wanted me to see the doctor. <laughs> just, <laughs> and he, just, just to get checked out. And he just smiles and just, like doesn't deny it. <laughs> I love their relationship. Yes. Um, 
Ilian and Can- Admiral Kanzian show up at the base. And I put in the show notes, not while Errol and Cordelia are doing it, thankfully. <laughs> I would have been really yeah. upset if they had been interrupted. Yes. You know. So I forgot to mention that Negri dies at the, when he you know, when he arrives with the light flyer. Because he's been shot yeah. or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um... Ilian is giving control of Imsec. Um, I love Ilian, so that's great. You will have a lot of Ilian. <laughs> Ilian, Yay! Ilian eventually becomes Miles's boss, which is great. Yep. Um, Vagan arrives at Tannery Base with news that Verdarian took the replicator. <gasps> and like Cordelia's been worried about this. Like, right. And sh- so, yeah. Um, despite Errol's forbidding it, Cordelia, Drew, Bithar- and Bathari scheme to break out of Tannery, Tannery Base to rescue Miles. Bathari basically goes along with it for Cordelia, and Drew wants to rescue Corrine. Um, because, like, they, Corrine's been on video with Vordarian, but they're like, is she with him? Or, or is he just, is she kidnapped by yeah, him? Yeah. Um, so they bas- they go to get a ground car. Cordelica tries to stop them. So Bathari knocks him out and shoves him in the ground car. Which is great. Yeah. I uh, mean, I, not that I'm advocating violence. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it, it, it works in the scene. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, Kudelka says to him, you're Count Piotr's man. And his reply is, no, I am Lady Verkozigan's dog. Which I'm kind yep. of scared of Bathari. <laughs> he's terrifying. He is. But also he's on our side because we're on Cordelia's side. He's on our side. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. It makes it okay. Yeah. Um, the conversation between Cordelia and Errol where they, where she's trying to get him to organize a raid. She, mm-hmm. it's, it's heartbreaking. She's like, I, when have I asked you to do anything? And he says, I cannot risk you both. And she just replies, you do in this. Basically yep. saying, if he doesn't let her go, their relationship's over. Yep. Um, and she plans, she ends up planning to go. She has no idea what his reaction is going to be to this. Like, she has no idea if they're going to have a relationship when she gets back. But she knows. But she's she, doing it anyway. Yeah. And like, Errol yep. says he can't he can't risk a raid to do this because he has asked his men to, you know, their, their families are in the capital also at risk, like also threatened. And he's asking them to still fight and he can't go and try to save his family when he's asking them to risk theirs. Um, so in one point I can understand exactly where Errol's coming from on the other point. It's your kid. <laughs> yep. So he's basically faced with impossible choices, like all throughout he's his always career. Faced with impossible choices. Yep. That's why we love him. <laughs> yep. Um. So under Kudelka's scheme, who was pressed into this, they <laughs> literally. Smu- yeah, they smuggle themselves into the capital in an illegal vegetable truck. <laughs> I love that. They rent a room in, at an inn and find Lord and Lady Verpatrol in another inn nearby. They find out that Verdarian has declared himself emperor. Um, he f- his forces capture the Verpatrols. 
Um, Pad- poor Padma. Padma is killed. They rescue Alice and bring her to another bolt hole where Alice gives birth to Ivan. In the ghetto, basically. Yes. So, um, I believe I mentioned there was a mention in the previous book about Bathari and midwifery. <laughs> midwifery. It's one of my midwifery. favorite words. And yes. And here we go. <laughs> he, he he does that in this book. <laughs> um, so yeah, I want to talk about Ivan's birth. Um, because Ivan Verpatrol is a character throughout the series. He has his own book. Uh, Captain Verpatrol's Alliance. Um, and Ivan basically is known throughout the series as that ivy- idiot Ivan or um, Ivan the Idiot. Um, no, poor Ivan. He basically does not want any responsibility. He lets people think that he is not as smart as he is. And he does that for a reason because his father was shot in front of his mother. Um, for having political importance. <laughs> yep. And so he doesn't want anything to do with that. Nope. He wants everyone to think he's dumb and not want to be, um, not want to be, uh, emperor. And also because he knows that, you know, if people want to go against Gregor again, they might use him and they might try to use him against his family. Like against Miles. And he doesn't Miles. want that at all. Nope. No. Um, so um, later on in Captain Verpatrol's Alliance, there is a scene in which they it's it's Ivan's birthday and they um, go to the, the spot where uh, Padma was killed to burn an offering. Um, and it is a super heartbreaking scene because Ivan doesn't Ivan has no idea. He, he just does this every every year. And um, his his romantic interest at the point is like is not from Barayar and she's like this is a really morbid way to start your birthday and he's like well this is the way it's always been like he doesn't know but um like his mother like just uh, not breakdown has a breakdown but she just basically like says all the stuff about like how Padma was an idiot like for going out and like she wished like he hadn't done like he hadn't done this she has a meltdown rather than a breakdown yes. yeah and it's yeah but it, it, an alice for patrol style meltdown <laughs> very controlled right. yep. um and like when i was reading the scene again i'm like oh god like the, the, this like you think like this is just sort of like a complication that like a complication for this like raid because now they're like, well, what are we going to do with a baby? Um, right. But, um, but like, because she had already written Warrior's Apprentice and introduced Ivan. So, like, mm-hmm. going back in time and giving this, like, this backstory to Ivan's birth really, like, sets the tone for him throughout the series and his book. So, just keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, they hide in Bathari's whorehouse. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, this is a place. I'm not going to tell Drew about it. <laughs> um, Cordelia asked Ku to take the Verpatrols out of the city. But in the, me- before then, she acts as a go-between between Ku and Drew. And she's, because she basically, like, she's like, okay, what do you guys do now? And they're like, well, we have a go-between. Oh my god, this is why you guys are all so stupid. 
<laughs> so she's basically the Baba. That's what they call it, the Baba. Um, and it's it's so good. It's such yeah, a good it's scene. Really good. I would like to make a note for everyone to remember the scene later on in guess which book robin <laughs> um i don't know a civil campaign yes <laughs> yes how how did how did i know because everything ties back to a civil campaign <laughs> and how many more books is that away i don't know too many Okay. So basically, this is not the first time that Cordelia acts as a go-between. As a go-between. It's great. All right. Um, and she has a wonderful, 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 wonderful line, um, which I think is, it's just like, it's it's so good. Um, yeah. What glorious moments can you win from life in addition to the pain? It's just what everyone should go through life, like, you know, yep. trying to do. Yep. Because so life sometimes sucks, but, you know, there's yep. good stuff, too. Yep. So the groups part ways. Drew leads them through the storm sewers into the residence because she knows the way in and out and the secret ways in and out because um, she's worked there before. Uh, Cordelia takes Ku's sword stick for luck and Gregor's shoe as a weapon. This is very, <sighs> very important. Which seems very backwards. It's, but it's important. Yep. Um, they emerge into Azar's bedchamber, and Verdarian and Corrine are sleeping in the bed in which he oh, died. It's all very uncomfortable. Yes. Ugh. So they regroup and decide they're going to go for the replicator first, which is a bad decision um, because they find in hindsight, yes, yes, because they find an empty empty replicator as a trap and they're captured. Um, and this is when Corrine, this is when Cordelia uses the shoe. Because she, you know, they are both mothers. And, you know, she basically asks Corrine, where is my child? And she says, where is mine? And she gives her the shoe and she's like, he's safe. He's safe. Because they because think the he's dead. the supposition is that Corrine is doing this to make sure. Oh, no, that she thinks that Gregor is dead, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, she does. So, like, she's just going along with this to live. Um, So she tells Cordelia the replicator is in at the Emperor's old bedchamber where they just were. She attempts to kill Verdarian, but is killed in the process. And it's so sad because Cordelia is like, not now, not now, not now. And she does it anyway. And she does it anyway. Uh, The fight breaks out. And it's so, Gregor is, Gregor's an orphan. It's so sad. A fight breaks out. They capture Verdarian and use him as a hostage. Cordelia sets fire to the residence with the plasma arc, which is fantastic. Yep. They recover the replicator and Miles. And then Cordelia orders Bathari to cut off Verdarian's head. Because basically during their conversation earlier, Bathari was like, how do I know when it's okay to kill people? Okay and to she's be violent like, and kill people. She's like, and she's like you... it's okay, I'll just tell you. And like, she... <laughs> She, she's just saying it like she's like right. that's not gonna happen and well it does oh well yeah 10 chapters later and or she, whatever she's like, execute this man for me it's so great <laughs> and he does yep so they escape the city and arrive at tannery base vegan takes off to service the rep- service the replicator and resume the calcification treatments um they reunite with coup 
Ku brings them to debrief Errol, and they show him the head, and he's like, shit. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I think she, we're going to read that scene. Yes. Uh, she dumps Errol Verdarian's head on the conference table. She and Errol reunite um, and reconcile in private. The fighting comes to an end, and Gregor is returned to the capital. And I, this is the scene that we both just, I just love this with every fiber of my being. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, so good. So we're going to do a dramatic reading for it. <laughs> okay. Are do, we do ready? Do you want to be Cordelia? I'll be Piotr. Sure. I'll be. Uh, who's narrating? That's a good question. Um, we need three people. <laughs> you narrate. Okay. And you're, you're going to be Piotr, right? Yeah. Well, actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Count Piotr's hand slapped down hard upon the table. Good God, woman, where have you been? He cried furiously. A morbid lunacy overtook her. She smiled fiercely at him and held up the bag. Shopping. <laughs> For a second, the old man nearly believed her. Conflicting expressions whiplashed over his face, astonishment, disbelief, then anger as it penetrated he was being mocked. Want to see what I bought? Cordelia continued, still floating. She yanked open the bag's top and rolled Bordarian's head out across the table. <laughs> Fortunately, it had ceased leaking some hours before. It stopped face up before him, lips grinning, drying eyes staring. Piotr's mouth fell open. Kanzian jumped, the staffers swore, and one of Vordarian's traitors actually fell out of his chair, <laughs> recoiling. <laughs> Vortala pursed his, pursed his lips and raised his brows. Kudalka, grimly proud of his key role in stage managing this historic moment in one-upsmanship, <laughs> laid the sword stick on the table as further evidence. Ilian puffed and grinned triumphantly through his shock. Errol was perfect. His eyes widened only briefly. Then he rested his chin on his hands and gazed past his father's shoulder with an expression of cool interest. But you want to read that? But of course, he breathed. Every four lady goes to the capital to shop. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love it. It's so good. It's so good. Yep. Like, it's so good. Like, it's I want this so to good. be, I want this to be a TV series just so just for that <laughs> yep i just want that to appear on screen somewhere yeah mm -hmm. so they get their time alone um and he says don't you ever pull a stunt like that ever again and she says don't you ever let it become necessary again deal <laughs> done uh so yeah it's great um chapter 20 Drew goes back to be Gregor's bodyguard. Errol, he missed her. Errol and Cordelia move to the Imperial residence. Drew and Ku get married. Uh, Gregor crashes the wedding. Miles is Which born. Which is also super cute. Yeah. Miles is born. Piotr disinherits them again. And Bathari <laughs> becomes Miles' bodyguard. Which is important later on. Yes. Yes. Very important. Yep. Um the the wedding is great. Um, Gregor sneaks out and has cream cakes, and it's funny it's because so like cute. he sneaks out and like they're like the staffers are going crazy 
because they're like the emperor's missing like he snuck out right <laughs> and he like he just wanted a cream cake he just wanted to see the party and, and eat a cake yeah he's only five like, she's like he just came out he tried he danced with drushi and then he left <laughs> <laughs> yep i think about that my nephew is four and a half so mm-hmm. he's almost exactly the same age yeah as gregor would be now my nephew is not as serious or um, <laughs> a biddable as yeah. Gregor seems to be. Um, but that is exactly the kind of thing he would do. Like get out of bed and be like, but I just wanted to see the party. Yeah. Right. And everybody is going crazy because he's missing. Yeah. But he's like, what? Yeah. Um. So yeah, the um Miles's birth scene is also very good. Um, Like because you saw Ivan's birth, it's a really good contrast to Miles's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's noted in the in the narrative. Um, Piotr disinherits him again because he's like, you, you strung me along saying he'd be fine. He's not fine. And he says, as God is my judge woman, you won't make a fool of me. <laughs> that would be redundant, snapped Cordelia. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so So basically much. they don't talk to each other for like, pretty much five years like he has to talk to errol at some point in time because of government stuff but yeah it takes like five years for them to like actually talk to each other again um and then we have like some of the the last part of chapter 20 is one of my favorite lines of the entire series and it's cordelia thinking to errol um i'll just read the whole chapter because i love it it's like, welcome to Borea, our son. Here you go. Have a world of wealth and poverty, wrenching change and rooted history. Have a birth, have two, have a name. Miles means soldier, but don't let the power of suggestion overwhelm you. Have a twisted form in a society that loathes and fears the mutations that have been its deepest agony. Have a title, wealth, power, and all the hatred and, that, and, and envy they will draw. Have your body ripped apart and rearranged. Inherit an array of friends and enemies you never made. Have a grandfather from hell. Endure pain, find joy, and make your own meaning, because the universe certainly isn't going to supply it. Always be a moving target. Live, live, live. (laughs) I want that. just wonderful. I want that on a canvas, that last part, like in a baby's room. Yep. Yep. Oh. And oh, that always being moving target will come back to bite her in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then there's an epilogue. It's five years later. They're back at Verkozik and Solo, finally talking to Piotr again because Miles is walking and Miles really likes the horses. So him and Piotr bond and he's bond like, you're going to teach me. You're going to teach me. And Piotr's like, well, I guess if your mother will allow it. And she's like, with a pony. <laughs> yeah, no no horses yet. Only ponies. And of course, Bathari is there, so. Yeah, yeah but if you've watched Gone with the Wind, yeah. ponies are just as dangerous <laughs> as actual horses. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the book. We talked for a really long time. We did. Yep. So, um, but it was good. The book is uh, good. It's so good. It's so good, Robin. I love this book. I want to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's get through all the. Well, you can do whatever you want. I'm going to get through the <laughs> yes. rest of them and You're then probably gonna, start over. Yes. Yeah. 
So one of the things I loved like world building wise about this book is that I realized as the narrative goes on, the pew, the like the prose starts referring to Errol as Errol and not Verkozigan. Mm-hmm. Like her, like it's, it, it refers to Errol as Verkozigan, but then as it goes on more, like once the mutiny happens, like she starts to think of him as Errol, which is really interesting right. cuz she calls him Errol obviously but um also like put it into perspective it's only been 80 years since the time of isolation ended that's not a long time at all nope Mm-mm. and that's so why this is crazy. a society that's still trying to find its footing yeah yeah i mean like so they they were cut off from the wormhole they found a new wormhole were immediately taken over by the set of gandans i mean we haven't really talked about that much but like that's why errol like gave piotr like control of gregor and all of them and like because he made his name fighting off the set of gandans right like, and that's the reason they were able to push them out of the off the planet so they were conquered for a long time there are a lot of barrarians that are like part set of gandan because of the occupation um like they they have set again background because they inter you know intermarried yep, and had babies. Yep. Um. So yeah, like they basically threw them off and then immediately went to conquer Komar because they're like we're not gonna have our only wormhole be like held by another world ever again. Mm-hmm. So like their their whole like history has been like fighting to one like f- establish a culture and then like you know oh yeah we're back in the galaxy again now we have to like protect ourselves right so keep that up protect ourselves stay relevant yeah Yeah. so this is when sergiar is officially named um it's still interesting when you know the history of serg but they're keeping (laughs) up the story um and this this is the so first mention we get a fast penta which i was surprised this was the first time it was mentioned and it's not even really mentioned that much because it becomes a very important thing like because miles like is basically an espionage and they use it a lot (laughs) in impsec uh so yeah that's where we are have any final thoughts uh I think we've pretty much covered all of my thoughts about this. I know, we talked this, for but... like almost two hours. <laughs> Sorry, um, guys. I mean, if you're still with us, I'm really thankful and grateful yeah. and impressed. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah, it is a really good book. And I just had to and, talk about all of it. <laughs> um, yeah, this one so far, I know, again, uh, that I am that I haven't finished the series, but so far, this is the one that has connected most emotionally with me. Yeah. Um, that I feel most strongly connected to um, and that I've enjoyed most. Not that I haven't enjoyed the other ones immensely. This one just really sucked me in. Yeah. I go back and forth as to whether or not I like this one or a civil campaign more. I think, I think this is a better story, Um, Mm -hmm. but a civil campaign is just such a fun book and it's a, it's, um, it's the only book that has like more than two POVs. It has five mm-hmm. POVs. Oh wow! Um, and that's Game of Thrones territory. It is, and most of the series is either one or two. Like mm-hmm. I think three books are two, um, and everything 
let's see, Captain Perpetual's Alliance is two, Gentleman Joel is two, Mirror Dance is two, um, Komar is two. So four books have two POVs, and then everything else is just either Miles or Cordelia. Um, and then there's this the, the civil campaign, which is five. Which so, is all five of them. So it's yeah. well, yeah, it's so it's it's a little like more going on. Um, it's a little funnier. It's lighter. Um, like it's very much more s- small scale than Beret are, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I don't I don't know if I can like say I like one more than the other, but they're both wonderful. They're both your babies. Yeah, they are. This yep. is my favorite Cordelia book, and that's my favorite Miles book. <laughs> well, see, that's perfect. Then. Also, I think I like Civil Campaign so much is because Cordelia's in it through uh-huh. a lot of the I book. I have missed Cordelia yeah. in the next couple of books. I'm like, you get like two sentences yeah. mentioning her, and I'm like, but come back. Um, you'll get her in Mirror Dance. She's okay. in Mirror Dance, um, and she's in a Civil Campaign a bunch. Okay. Um, yeah, like through the second I'm half excited. of that book. I'm excited. Yep. So I think that's why I like that book so much because I get Miles and Cordelia. And Cordelia. <laughs> yep. Um. So yeah. Okay. That's about it. I think we're good. I think we're done. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot shorter episode next month because I don't like Warriors Apprentice as much. <laughs> yeah, it's really not as interesting to me. It's yeah. good, but yeah. it's not as yeah interesting. So, but yeah, go you ahead. know. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Let's finish this up. No more talking. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for joining us for episode two of the Vercozy cast. Join us next month as Miles Vercozykin accidentally creates a mercenary fleet like you do. Like you do. Bye. The Vercozy cast is a Tashi Station podcast brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Tashi Station for more details. And we thank you all for supporting the show. Follow us on Twitter with the handles at Nancy Pants, at R underscore A underscore Smith, and at Tashi underscore Station. Subscribe to the show on iTunes via the Tashi Station Master Feed or the Tashi Station Book Club Feed. And don't forget to leave us a review. Forward momentum!